Hi, I'm Ben. I'm Isabel. Welcome to Conversations in Company, a podcast from the charity Suicide and Cope, here to make the suicide loss journey a little less lonely. We've both been on the journey for a few years. I lost my brother to suicide in 2018. And I lost my cousin to suicide in 2017. We really hope that we and our guests can offer you some companionship wherever you are on this journey. To draw this, to draw all of this onto the theme of the episode, just quickly, yeah. I don't even know if we've started or not, but mm-hmm. just a question: Do you find after what you went through with losing someone suicide that you do find things, some things in TV and movies, more triggering? Because I've had things that have happened in movies that I've been watching, and I've just like recoiled um, in in, and it might not even be a suicide reference. Like something's happened, and it's just hit me deep. And you'll be with people, and they're just like stuffing their face with popcorn, and suddenly you're like questioning. <laughs> questioning your sanity over a scene in a movie and I've lost interest in the whole movie it's, I've really struggled actually occasionally with stuff that's happened in TV shows um, and then 13 Reasons Why and all of that being have you either of you struggled with that? Well I mean yes on a um, on a regular basis but not even just in the obvious spaces where there are um, notions of suicide or mental health or any of those mm. um, any of those themes even in TV ads, so I mean, this is wild, and it just shows you how hypersensitive I am as yeah. an individual after the loss of my dad to suicide. Um, adverts that really encapsulate a family connection or a moment of joy in mm. the in at in the place of home really gets me. So I don't know if any of you, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of years ago there was a KFC advert, and it was all about the KFC bucket and how it brings people together around a table and it was all set around um, a child that had been adopted and they didn't want to be in this house Mm. and then it fast forwarded to the the new guardian bringing in a KFC bucket and that connection and that spark and that togetherness just happening Um, and I, I work in advertising I'm fully aware of the commercial messaging around a brand to sell things to us but I think that just gives you an example yeah. of how heightened, how triggered mm. you can be by your own experience. Get quite a lot, like, with particularly strong emotions in a TV show, like a sadness or even like wild happiness or something. Like I will, I'm almost on the edge of tears at all times. And so, like, particularly moments like where I'm even the very end of Fleabag which I think is partly also it's good acting as well and good writing like the combination of the, the three but um at the end of Fleabag when like she just makes peace with the fact that she's not going to be with a priest and I just her watching her go oh and I just went oh my god like <laughs> I can feel myself like welling up just thinking about it now just like watching someone's emotions like happen in real time like or in both in tv like narrative but also even if I watch someone on tv talking about like strong emotions or loss or or even like maybe not maybe wild happiness as well I'll get like emotional with them which is Mm. both a blessing and a curse I uh I never cried at movie or tv show before I lost Sam I'd never, really? I never did. Like I'd, 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 you know, I'd watch some really sad stuff. Like as you know, all this like Titanic and Lion and all this stuff. And I never did. And then suddenly I was in the cinema with my friends, and we were watching. Um, 
can't remember what we were watching. And I just started crying. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. And I, I cry all the time at movies now. And it's yeah. almost like, I don't know, often things that uh, I often think that's like losing Sam was almost like gave my emotional intelligence side of me like a jump start. I sort of, when I lost Sam, I was a teenager. I was very much in the men can't cry, men can't yeah. um, express emotions camp. Like I didn't hug my friends because I thought that was not <laughs> manly enough, right? Um, and I guess losing him and, and suddenly having all these emotions thrown at me, it like allowed me to like, oh yeah, I can cry at a movie. Like no one's going to, I've cried so much in front of my friends now. I, I really don't care about crying in front of a movie. Um, but no, yeah. I do think it, I do think particularly some things that happen in movies can be really, really triggering. Um, so so I mean, obviously that's the the theme of the episode, and um, and we are joined mm-hmm. by you, Emma. Thank you for for being here. Do you want to maybe just introduce? I know you mentioned about your dad, but do you want to maybe introduce who you are, what you do, um, and your experience with suicide loss? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so pleased to be sat here having this important conversation with you two. Um, so as Ben said. My name's Emma. I am one of the co-founders of Suicide and Co. Um, the reason that I am so passionate about supporting those who've lost people to suicide is because of my own lived experience. Um, we are coming up for, gosh, a long time now. It's over a decade since I lost my dad. Actually, um, actually, this time next week. Um, so we've got an anniversary coming up. Um, and yes, so that's my experience. I was at uni when it happened. Um, I was very lucky that I've got an incredible support system around me. So that journey was made a little bit easier. However, that pain and the stigma that I felt around suicide loss, I really carried it with me for an awful long time. And three years ago, myself and Amelia set up Suicide & Co to really um, help other people who were experiencing something that we'd experienced and really to open up those conversations around suicide loss to make them less stigmatized and a bit more accessible so give people that space to find other people like them and find the resources to support them through such a challenging type of grief and loss are you how are you feeling in the lead up to the anniversary as I say it's a long time since I lost my dad so I've got lots of coping strategies I think the thing that happens for me is fatigue. So I feel fine now, happy to talk about it. Mm. Emotions are in check. Um, But I think it's fatigue. My body is very quick to say this is a time that is a bit triggering and it is your body keeps tabs on you, right? So your body remembers what happens. It remembers the score. And my body's very quick to say, you need to rest. I think there's a a book called that that's supposed to be really interesting about trauma. Like the body keeps the the score. I haven't read it, but um, I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. So... And it's about like yeah, <laughs> it's so, almost that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. Um, yeah, sounds good. It sounds it great. Well, I mean, probably it, not. But... I mean, I've got the attention span of a flea, so maybe not. But yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, so um, yeah. everything's in check. I'm feeling okay, um, even though this is a time of potential yeah. triggers. I actually think that's such a good point talking about um, milestones and anniversaries yeah. and. Things that I would probably brand as obvious triggers to be aware of when you're supporting someone through suicide loss. Um, how about you guys? Did you find that anniversaries or any days were particularly triggering in your experience? Anniversaries, definitely. Like, uh, I'm basically off off radar on the anniversary. Like, I, I might choose to go and do something with someone, but I'm 
on the verge of tears, if not in tears, for mm. most of the day. Without, like, with no... And I have this thing about, like, and, and a year is an, is an arbitrary figure, like 365 days. Okay, there is... But, like, it, what what is the date? Like, January the 12th, to me, I'm like, if it was given a different day or if it was called, like, something else, would it be the same? Like, if they suddenly changed the month system. But I think it's also... Yes, it is. But also, I think there's something about the time of year as well. And, like, mm-hmm. the different, mm. like... The kind of for me, it's the lull post Christmas and like the like end of the excitement bit of the, you know, the party bit of the year, and then it's very Monday-ish January, isn't it? So I find, I find anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas difficult, um, like sad. But I, I, and maybe I mean maybe that is you know a trigger. But I don't know. For me, like my definition of triggers is like a, a that's like sudden thing and for me like I'll find okay. an anniversary difficult and I'm just like sounds sounds birthday difficult but it's it's sort of like it's so expected that I find it difficult to to be a trigger um and and so I guess like my question back to you both would be like for people listening that maybe, I don't know that maybe don't understand their grief and trauma well enough like what what would you class as a trigger like what's your definition of a trigger um Emma like you've you've obviously spent years Mm -hmm. in this and dealing with this like what would you actually define as triggers so for me um I can break it down into two different type of triggers um and as you say Ben I've been going through this for a long time so I'm hyper aware of how I react in certain situations and it's taken me a long time to get here so I would say my two types of triggers are Um, physical triggers so really tangible um, triggers that you can see so for instance going back to a place that I've not been since I was in a different Mm. stage of my life when my dad was alive when I was still studying at uni all of those physical triggers Um, so an example of that for instance is my dad was Irish um, and the thought of going to Ireland is just too much for me So there's a real physical side of triggers for me. Um, And then the other side, I would say, is emotional triggers. Um, And it's about a feeling. So it can be something as obscure as somebody making an assumption about me that is linked to my my experience of um, my relationship with my parents, for instance. And I would feel way more deeply about something that was potentially not even that meaningful that somebody had said but that is because it is a trigger that Mm. that makes me feel attached back to that time which wasn't nice so losing dad um so yeah physical triggers and emotional feeling triggers um yeah and I think for me triggers because it's it's a word that we use now really quite often I I would say that it's only really been in my vocabulary for the last three or four years um I think prior to that I would maybe just say all oh, that makes me feel a bit or a bit uncomfortable um but now I'm really clear on things that trigger me make me feel unsafe yeah. they make me feel like I'm in a situation that I feel unsafe in and I want to immediately get out of um yeah and there's something 
which we can touch on later on, but it's something that I've very recently started seeing on social media and I've been reading a little bit about it um, from an amazing book um, all about Your Nervous System by Deb Dahmer. And it's all about glimmers. So it's the opposite of triggers. So when I say that triggers make me feel unsafe, if you have glimmers in your life, they are the ultimate safety anchor. So, and we'll touch on it later on because I think it's really interesting. But a glimmer for me is having a coffee in the morning on my own with 15 minutes of clarity looking at my garden. Yeah, so they're my definitions of triggers. Uh, Isabel, I'd love to know what your definition is from your experience. Um, I guess, so it's things that will make me, like that will just elicit emotions. So I find that like emotionally triggering, but not in like a, not necessarily in a bad way. Um, but I also have like almost things that are particularly suicide related or like emergency related that will like bring panic into my belly that will make me go like, okay, I need, like, I guess it's like probably a bit of a fight, fight or flight response, which will make me go like, okay, I need to do something now, like now, now. Um, and I get a lot of that. Some of that, it can be like war related. Um, and some of it can also be like, if I know that someone's not like really not in a good place. And even if it's someone I don't know, if I can see, if I've seen a post on the internet, if I've seen someone, recognize and open up about suicidal ideation it'll make me be like oh I, I need I need to help them like I have to now I'm definitely having to pull that back a bit like I'm I'm aware that I'm emotionally not not capable of like and I have mm-hmm. to remind myself I can't help everyone and I can't mm-hmm. I yeah. can't be there for everyone and I, I'm not able to do that and I'm not able to and it, I, I do I am like refer people to services like make sure it's taken away from just my hands. But um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, to teach myself not to lean in. What you, another thing you, you mentioned I wanted to pick up on is about, is you said, you described it as like pit of the stomach panic yeah. and like fight or flight. That's exactly what I'd use to describe triggers for myself. It's like, yeah. I used to describe it to my therapist as a sting. It was like, it was not something that was a buildup of emotions over time. It was a slap sting panic oh my we need to reject like get rid of this emotion and obviously mine it wasn't fight thankfully or flight it was actually freeze and so often when I'm triggered it will be that I'll be sitting there and I'll probably won't my face won't change but I'll feel my core tense my shoulders tense I'll be breathing in and out so so shallow um and like every muscle in my body will be tense and that for me is when I know that I'm triggered and know I'm when I'm in that position mm. um but yeah it's it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to deal with because it is this just tsunami of panic yeah um and often it 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 materializes in a way that's really difficult to see in other people because I could just look like mm-hmm. this and I'll be in absolute panic mode it's also that um panic attack I hadn't I didn't experience panic attacks until I was 30 and so when it first happened I was like what I am ill I'm having a heart attack this is not okay and now I'm aware of where I am aware of the like first point of like okay you need to you need to remove yourself from whatever's happening right now and breathe um but I'm always a bit surprised by how 
I think because I didn't, I was anxious, I definitely was anxious before, but like, I'm, I'm always shocked. I'm like, this is such a huge physical reaction for something that's psychological and like how much the mm. two are married in my body. And like, I, I guess I hadn't really clocked that before. Um, and I'm always a bit like, uh, but also amazed at like how a few basic things can then pull me back to a place of normality but it's just like the instant switch of like, oh shit, this is happening. Like, oh, okay, right, what? And having to like pull my thoughts in together and go like, right, where are you going to go and do some deep breathing right now? And also I think I'm, as a freelancer as well, like uh, how quickly can I, how quickly do I have to pull myself back together if I have to? Like if, I, if I'm going on stage in like three hours, am I able to do that gig? Like, or if I've got a meeting, do I, do I postpone mm. the meeting and say I'm ill? Um, but yeah, and I'm uh, also, I guess, so many of mine, or like the panic triggers come from contact with the outside world, as in like through, through my phone and the internet. Like, I guess I like learning to like mute things that trigger me, like mute that group, mute certain people. And it feels yeah. really mean, like boundaries yeah. boundaries and triggers yeah. are mm. inseparable yeah. and boundaries feel hard right as soon as you have to put a boundary in place to protect yourself yeah. it feels uncomfortable um i think that's so interesting and something worth us talking about about how we manage triggers yeah. so we've all spoken a little bit about our definition of triggers and how we feel in the moment of being triggered but how do how do we manage our triggers? Ben, I would love to know how you manage your triggers since losing Sam. Uh, not very well. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally quite well. But look, I think it's, <laughs> this is look, if we're honest on this podcast, I'm not very good at lots of things that I tell, I pretend to be good at. Um, I think it's trial and error. Um, I, the, the thing with triggers is, it's the thing with, with anxiety, because let's face it, triggers stems from sort of trauma and anxiety and like you know and grief. We sort of know what takes us out of fight or flight, which is breathing, which is mindfulness and centering ourselves. What's, mm. It's one of the hardest things to do in the moment is to be like, oh, let's just breathe. Um, it's a really difficult thing to do. Um, so what I do, I... I center myself, get that breathing under control. I've spent a long time working mm -hmm. to understand how that works. People, what they call it box breathing, where it's like in for five, hold for five, out for five, hold for five, in for five. So that's all fun, um, uh, fun and games. But that really works. I mean, it, it's an instant relief that you get from that. I also like, I was taught this, there's this part of your hand, which is the sort of bit between your yep. thumb and your forefinger. If you squeeze that and massage that, it can bring you out of fight or flight, um, which is a handy little really? trick. Because Literally you can do it on handy. the train. Yeah. yeah, it really works. <laughs> and that... <laughs> this is my handy trick. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know no. that's because um so it's actually it's an acupuncture pressure point mm -hmm. so it, it, it it's your centralized meridian really work so it's it's brilliant for resetting your body and as yeah. a byproduct we all understand body <laughs> yeah. and brain they're the same
I have self-practices first. So exactly the same. I breathe through uncomfortable moments. Um, For a long time, I used to run away from anything that I saw as a trigger. So if that was avoiding people because I didn't want to talk about how I was feeling over the period of November, for instance, I used to just run away and hide. Um, As as I get a little bit older and perhaps a little bit wiser, I realise that actually isn't very helpful and sometimes it can make the trigger feel bigger and more consuming. So um, not only do I like now do those internal practices like walking, finding time for self-care, breathing and being mindful, I also now look outwards as well. So for a long time, I felt like it was my sole responsibility to navigate my triggers, whereas now I understand that by voicing them and finding your safe people and your safe faces um it can sometimes just be as simple as as being in a room at a party and maybe feeling like oh I've just got a bit of a trigger and seeing one of your people and just a look just a reassuring smile just that grounding coming from your community so I think for me it's a balance of self-soothing Um, trigger remedies but also communicating how things make you feel and why so that other people understand and then just connecting with those important people that keep you grounded and stable and present I completely agree with you um I like that yeah I completely agree it's this it's that setting boundaries thing it is hard it's hard to sort of externally set boundaries and, and talk to people vulnerably about this because that in itself can be quite triggering um but it helps in the long run and I guess the long term is is something that I think I want to talk about quickly and because the breathing is great in a short term getting through a trigger and getting through that initial panic but I yeah. think from my my experience like actually dealing with the root cause of those triggers and and really that like the the vulnerabilities that exist underneath that is equally important and so so again like my obviously they've got that initial reaction to having a trigger but my sort of long-term reaction is 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 one of kindness and compassion towards myself and also curiosity um I think a really healthy way of dealing with the trigger is being curious about where it's come from and what it is um trying to sort of get used to understand it and make friends with it and sort of see what's going on um so for example I had a really really actually quite a really bad trigger around sirens and ambulances and and yeah. blue lights uh so and it's the one you can't control you're walking down London I mean well. London's like London's a it too so I'm right next to St George's you're telling me it's uh <laughs> it's a lot um and you start when you can't control like you've got an ambulance going past and then you go into flight or flight it's not exactly very helpful um and and it was really and I, it was really easy for me to be like oh Ben that's so pathetic especially coming from my background where I am like you know I've still got this seed in my mind of men don't admit it's still something you've got to deal with it's something I've this has been indoctrinated into me for my whole life mm. of of frustration at emotion so I'd, I'd meet those sorts of triggers with oh don't be so pathetic like get over it blah, blah blah it's only an ambulance all of this and it was only until I met someone that faced the same and I and they came up to me and they're like I can't leave the house I'm scared of ambulances and, and sirens and I was just like to them I was like that that makes sense though, doesn't it like your br- your brain has experienced this massive trauma that is deeply connected to this sound you played the sound. What does your brain think is about to happen? The same pain. Yeah. And it's when you start being curious about that and look at it, looking at it from an external point of view, you realise 
your brain is doing a brilliant job at like keeping you safe. It's identified something that is connected to something that hurts you. And so when it hears that sound or that experience or that feeling or that place, then it anticipates that thing that's going to hurt you and puts you in fight or flight mode, which is a protective mode. And as soon as you can start being curious about triggers and understanding them, I find actually I can be a little bit more comfortable with having them and there's not, a much, and not as much shame. And yeah, it's still uncomfortable hearing sirens and stuff and, and, and having triggers, but I can sort of be like, that's really cool. Thanks for helping me out, brain. Uh, and you change that relationship and the trigger doesn't become an enemy. It actually becomes a friend. That response that your brain's giving you is actually a gift. It's like, this. I mean, how incredible is it that your brain can identify this thing and go, put out all the stops that are about to be attacked. It's a really cool thing. Um, and yeah. so I'd say meet it with curiosity and kindness. And also, you know, it takes a huge amount of effort to go into fight or flight. And it takes hours sometimes to get out of it again. And so if you're feeling tired mm-hmm. afterwards, don't start blaming yourself for like, like having a nap or, you know, maybe going home from work early and taking some time off and, and doing something for yourself that evening. Like, don't feel ashamed of them being tired afterwards because it takes a huge amount of energy to go through a fight or flight response. Yeah, I'm interested in this, like, seeing the trigger as a friend and, like, understanding it because I, I've just been like, okay, I've worked out what they are and I'm just not engaging with them, which is, uh, in my own in my own language, in my own normal method of, like, dealing with stuff, it's just not very mature. Like, but, like address it head on, understand it, know it. But with these things, I'm just like, oh, what? I don't think it's ever going to be something I'm going to get through. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I just, that does seem, as I say it, I'm like, that's the most immature way you could possibly deal with anything. It sounds like, though, that there's a lot of heat behind those emotions. Um, and I like to talk about it in temperatures. And so when you've got something that's really like an emotion that's got a lot of heat and is painful, then it's really difficult to even get close enough to it to start understanding yeah. it. Um, and that sounds like like complete like rubbish and lingo that's just all like when people get you know talk about psychology on tv they use all these weird lingos but it's like there's a lot of heat around those emotions and obviously getting close to an emotion like that is is really scary so it's and and painful so you wouldn't want to get close to it so i think there it's it's more a case of trying to take the heat away from it first and then being able to to get to it you can't just because then what we do with with if you are forcing yourself to try and understand it is you create frustration at not being able to get close enough to understand it when actually some emotions are just so painful that even getting close can can be quite difficult and and counter yeah. counterproductive um but then again this is where uh, this is where you know it is about time and it is about understanding and it is about getting distance from the painful event and trying to take some heat out of those emotions and then when it's at a position where the heat is lower then you can start start to be like well, this is why. And and so understanding, oh, this... And the understanding, by the way, can be really basic level. Oh, this is the anniversary of her, de- uh, of her death or, or yeah. Sam's death. And going, oh, well, my brain is... This is, this is, you, start, you start ruminating about this is the time it happened and this is what was happening then. And your brain obviously connects with that and feels the same way and then throws you into a, into a trigger, into a panic. That's a really easy yeah. one to understand. It's not necessarily... And also, by the way, understanding doesn't equal being okay with it you know it still it still hurts no. but it just sort of hurts with no. with an explanation um which can yeah. sort of be better um or at least i find it a little bit easier ben i think it's absolutely 
wild that our senses all have an impact on our different trigger points as well mm. so when yeah. you were speaking about that um that that hearing a siren that resonates with me so loudly um and I think even sense so a different loss I was incredibly close to my grandma who died of old age um and I feel triggered of her presence not in a negative way when I um when I hear certain music or when I smell certain things and I think it's so interesting that everybody's triggers is wildly different and dependent on their experience so whether it's sound or um sound or a feeling or something that you see I just think it's so powerful that all of those things emote a reaction in us I um I was in two years after Jen died, I was, I don't want to brag here, but I was in Thailand on a work trip. We were in a bar and uh, they just all of a sudden, they were playing Radio Gaga by Queen and Jen was obsessed with Queen. And I just remember being in the bar and I was was having quite a nice time because I was in Thailand in a bar. (laughs) And um, the song came on and I was like, I just, I just burst into tears. All my colleagues, who I didn't know that one, I'd only been there three months, were like, oh God, the office manager's crying. Like, um, and I just, it was like, I didn't think it, cause it's quite a joyous song in a way. And, but it was, it's just, it's, it's quite big. And like, there's quite a lot of emotion and quite like a almost wall of sound coming in your ears. You're like, mm. oh, and I just remember feeling like totally like wiped out by it. Like there was no, there was no stopping me crying then. Uh, it, was, it wasn't like, okay, five minutes of this and then we're back in the room. I had to go home. Like, it was awful. Like, Interesting. Is that a trigger or a sign? Oh. Oh. What, uh, from her. A sign of what? <laughs> yeah. Stop having fun <laughs> on my anniversary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, obviously it's a different, it's a different subject, yeah. but. I find comfort in signs. So yeah. for age old that we've all heard a million times, if a Robin's near, a loved yeah. one yeah. is also um, I seek total solace in those positive signs. But I suppose for some people that might be a trigger. Yeah. Definitely wasn't in fight or flight. It was, it was an emotional trigger. Yeah. I, I have a very strong sense that she's gone. Like, and I, it's not that I'm not spiritual and I'm like, no, once bodies are in the ground, that's it, they're gone. But uh, it's not that I'm not spiritual, I just don't. But then also, the, there's just so much conflict in my head of going, like, was that a sign from her? And it would be great if it was a sign. But then my logic brain is going, come on, as well. It's a Queen song. Like, <laughs> of course, they were going to play a Queen song in a dive bar in Thailand with a load of British people in there. Like, like, <laughs> Naturally. I don't know. So how do you guys feel about awareness days? Trigger warning, <laughs> trigger warning. Um, that is what happens in my mind, um, whether it is, and I should caveat as well, I think awareness days are really powerful and really important and they need to be there for the prevention space. I'm a big advocate of them. However, as an individual with my experience, I find them incredibly confronting and the phrase that will always stay with me, whether it is mental health awareness month, whether it's suicide prevention day, the thing that I always get stuck on is 
just have a conversation. Just talk. It'll save someone's life. Mm. And I understand the power of that. And I agree that we need to open the conversation. Hence why we're having yeah. podcasts like this. Central to what we do at the charity. Um, but as a per- on a personal level, I find that concept so triggering and confronting because we tried that. We yeah. tried the conversation with my dad. We tried mm. multiple conversations in multiple different ways, in different spaces, over different years. And it wasn't enough. And that's a really painful yeah. um, reality that I live through. And hearing that repeatedly said by different voices in different spaces over those awareness days, it makes me really angry. That is the emotion yeah. that it brings up for me. I feel triggered and angry and it feels unfair and as I as I get more comfortable with it, I can step away from it and go, Emma, this is not a personal assault on you. Yeah. This is nothing to do with your experience and part ways with it. But for a long time, they were the most triggering days in the yeah. diary for me because everybody suddenly has an experience or an opinion on an experience mm. that they might not have been through personally. Um, so that would be my that would be my experience of it. I find them really confronting. That's the best word for me. How about you? Yeah, I find, so, Suicide Prevention Day, unbearable. Like, as in, I'm off the internet. Like, because it's a lot, there's a lot of, like, just, like, text on Instagram being like, don't forget, you can stop suicide. And there's an evil little voice in my head going like, but you didn't. Um, And then, I've had, I do spend some time on LinkedIn, because girls gotta eat, you know, needs, need jobs. And people on LinkedIn, they can talk, man. They love to write a really long post about how they once nearly died. And I'm just yeah. like, I don't. Who? Oh, why are you sharing this? Even with the trigger warning at the top. Like, you think that my head isn't, like, beginning scanning that long passage and seeing all of the, 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 the bad words in there. Absolutely. So off the internet. Hate it. Won't be on there. Um, and then Blue Monday is... I don't, it's the first Monday or the second Monday or something in January. And it, so it's mm. always going to be within two weeks of Jen's anniversary. And they're like, don't forget, it's Blue Monday and people are really depressed. And I'm like, I know. Like, it's anger. Like, it's straight <laughs> up like, I'm all right. Like, I know people. I'm like, I'm, I'm unhappy. Everyone else is unhappy. Jen was unhappy. It's shit. Yes. Okay. I don't need more of this. And so again, it's me off the internet. Like, and just probably in a bad mood for a few days mm. I think it's a really a really good point to touch on is that I don't find the days themselves particularly triggering like the idea of them and and but I, I find the unexpected stuff really triggering so like like you said Isabel like scrolling and then seeing someone's life story in a, in a LinkedIn ad a LinkedIn post and you're like well didn't need to see that <laughs> it's like yeah. that's the stuff I find triggering so I guess now now I like sort of try and and build I like to do something because I like to be distracted and I like to do something positive um but I yeah I completely off I'm completely offline uh completely off yeah. my phone usually um I'll try and get like to be honest in my job it's it's there's I get work on those days like I work those days um because that's when companies are going to bring you in to do stuff so mental health awareness day I'm working suicide prevention day I'll be working blue monday who knows I might get a job there international men's day I'll be working yeah. and so it's like those are the days I work but I don't mind that 
I really don't because it's doing something. Um, and it's, but it's the unexpected things that, yeah. that, that I find difficult. And to touch upon this point about talking, hell do I agree. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like everyone keeps talking mm-hmm. about, oh, just talk. And they, they trivialize this whole thing. And this is a big subject for this podcast, but they trivialize this whole thing down to they should have just talked. Yeah. They should have just spoke to people. And then you see, you see massive, I mean, massive budget marketing campaigns based on just talk. And you're like, oh, if it is insulting how simple you make this. Like suicide is not just about talking. My brother was talking to lots of people, but he did not have the treatment that he needed. Um, and he did not have, have the treatment no. he needed. And he's like, I, I've got friends that talked to their GP and talked to their family and had very honest conversations with people that, that are still in really, really bad places. I think talking is absolutely essential for, for looking after our mental health. It's it, like yeah. it's so so important for all of us to talk, and when you have a problem, it's really important to get it off your chest. But to to suggest that just talking should have it should have done it's something differently, completely... I think is is trivialising it. Like lacks the nuance yeah. as well of like just talk or like ask them how they are. Like have you have you really asked your friend how they are? Yeah, or like yeah, I did ask her. I asked her a lot of the time, and I got very little back. It was like fucking Stonewall for a long time. And so, yeah, sure, just talk. But like, it, you're completely missing the point that with people who are who are experience really, really severe mental health issues, it's it's just not as simple as like, like checking in on your mate, like you okay, hon? Like, it 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 just it doesn't it doesn't offer the depth of 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 what we what actually needs to be done. It also touches a nerve for me because so much of suicide is, is so much of the pain of suicide is built on guilt of not doing more yeah. and so anyone that suggests oh you should have done more you should have talked that touches a real nerve point for me yeah. of like oh I was the problem when we all know suicide is so complex and that is it's never it's never the fault of one person yeah um and and just suggesting someone should have talked to them more um isn't is not a helpful thing to to suggest yeah. and so again it brings it back to me being like oh and all these emotions start coming back about maybe I should have done more. And actually that's been a real problem for me and like something I've done a lot of work to try and overcome is this idea that I didn't do enough. And it was whole like awful emotions that were connected to that. So anyone suggesting that sort of just brings it back to this like yeah. real guilt and shame. And I feel like that thing of like I didn't do enough. Like I've done I've done some work to know that like I could not have stopped her, like if like that's not possible. But I don't, I feel like I take another step back every year when they're like, when I see more of this, like this almost constant like thing through certain months or on certain days being like, just talk or just ask your friend or like, we can prevent suicide. And I'm like, there's so much that then I'm like, oh, I've just undone some work. Like that's, uh, yeah, three stitches unpicked. Like Emma, you mentioned sort of the flip side to triggers, which is glimmers. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about glimmers and what they are for you? Yeah, totally. I think um, I think talking about triggers in this space, we're obviously normalising it, which is brilliant. And I think it's really important for us to be aware of our triggers and naturally being aware of other people's triggers outside of our own experience. Um, but I think it's also just so uplifting and lovely to think about the opposite of a trigger. So sometimes I know that I felt stuck in a moment of a trigger and never thought I'm going to be able to move past 
feeling triggered at friends' weddings when the father of the bride's speech happens. I thought for a very long time I was never going to be able to go to a wedding again because that triggered such a painful Mm. part of me. And now I can look on the other side at a friend's wedding, for instance, and see a glimmer of my friend hand wrote that guest list onto a big piece of white paper and she put every bit of love into that. And isn't that a glimmer of how much people care for one another? And seeing those little moments of things that make you feel the opposite of a trigger, so make you feel safe, make you feel warm, and dare I even say it, happy. How dare we? Um, So I think something that I've actively been doing only in the last, I'd say maybe the last two months, is trying to find glimmers and writing them down and leaning into those glimmers that are personal to me. So like I said earlier on, a glimmer moment is as simple as sitting and having a coffee on my own and taking in everything that is good right now. Or it can be as simple as having your favorite snack or just just doing anything that makes you think this feels present and safe and comfortable. It's like putting on this jumper. I'm like, that's just so lovely. This makes me feel safe. Um, so I, I would ask you to read about glimmers if you don't already know about them and have a think about what your glimmers are like what makes you happy if we even look at we're recording this today have you have you had any moments of glimmers that you go on reflection actually that's cool that's nice that's comfortable um well thank you emma for having a conversation in company with us today um and looking forward to seeing you later this week I can't wait. Thanks for having me. You two make these conversations so easy. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Conversations in Company would like to thank ACAST for letting us use their studio, our wonderful guests and all you listeners. Thank you for your generous support. Please do rate, review and subscribe or send it to a friend you think might need it. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thank you.